0: Self care is a $450 billion industry in this country. That is a lot of money. And in fact, globally, it's somewhere in the area of $4.5 trillion with a T. Now some of these are familiar, it's, it's the makeup we may purchase, it is the gym membership that we use three months out of the year, um, which maybe itself might be a donation. It is all of the wellness visits we do, it's, it's, did you know now there is such thing as a wellness real estate industry? It's true, people are now, developers are now building places with the idea that one can actually define their whole lives via a wellness approach, so you want HEPA filters in your house, you got it. You want, you know, a nice walkway around your your neighborhood, you've got it. There's a lot of money to be made in the world of self-care, and most of this money, I would guess, if we too are giving some resources to uh, the self-care industry, most of the time, it is trying to take care of a need to love oneself. Now, this has taken even more prominence over the last few months as the pandemic has worn us down in so many different ways. I remember when it was March of 2020, and we were all kind of sitting in our house in Ohio, and the world was starting to shut down. And We tried to decide what we were going to do as a family. The very first thing we did was create a spa day at the house. Now, I won't show you the pictures of that because I've got, like, you know, cucumbers over my eyes. The kids thought it was really cute. They, you know, we had foot baths and everything, right? But, you know, that feeling was with us in March of 2020, and it has continued to persist until now. nothing about this activity is inherently wrong. Going to the gym and being healthy is an important thing. In fact, I would argue that as a church, we ought to value the idea of having exercise and walking and moving and and having our being around the world is a good thing, is a holy thing to do. Now, there's a corollary to that, I think, and you know, being happy with one's appearance can most of the time be a good thing. However, like so many things, too much worrying about your appearance can become a bad thing. We like to take vacations. We like to be places where we feel better. And many of the concepts here are critically important to lead a balanced and fulfilling life. You know, people will have all of their, you know, their their blog articles about 10 ways to do self-care, and almost always one of them is set good boundaries. Be willing to say no sometimes. You know, go for a walk, journal, do meditation, pray. I mean, those are all good things. I I like to do those things sometimes, (laughs) you know not always great at saying no. I'm not always great as like being deep in yoga meditation thought because I am not that flexible. And certainly here we see that in the passage today there is some value in loving ourselves as well. You hear the Shema, which is one of the most important prayers in all of the Old Testament, in all of the Torah. It is A place where we find ourselves, our our worth, heart, soul, and might. The more that we find ourselves worthy, the more that we can love God. Hear, O Israel the Lord is our God, the Lord is alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And in the Hebrew itself, it's translated more as a direct action, more about wholeness. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of this inward being of who you are with all of the dark recesses of your body and your psyche, and with all of the strength that you have to muster. It is an idea of fullness that we offer to God in love. It is one of the most important prayers for observant Jews. And the tefillin, you know, the little box that uh, sometimes if you see observant Jews on their foreheads or on their hands— This is where it comes from. If, you know, you're at a trivia night or talking to an observant Jew and you want to ask what this is, well, now you know. It's a tefillin the idea of these kind of prayers to be physically on the body that close it's that important and really for anybody who's involved in the abrahamic tradition jews and christians and muslims this is a pretty good foundational like if i was going to tweet out what christianity is love the god love your lord your god with all your heart and soul and might fits under 140 characters that's a pretty good one to sort of just send out to the world. And we hear further from Jesus in our text in Mark, we hear that the Shema plus loving the neighbor as self are the two most important things that we can do in God's commonwealth. If you don't remember anything else in your Christian journey, these two things will get you most of the way. If there's anything that we teach our children, it's love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all your might, and love your neighbor as yourself. We do that for 18 years, we send them to college, and they're going to do all right. But you know, we hear this passage over and over and over again, because it is so important I found, just like John three sixteen, eventually when these are signboards of our faith journey, eventually they start to move further and further in the background, and they become placards of wallpaper that line our lives. Occasionally nice to look at, but you don't spend a whole lot of time staring at it. It's sort of spiritual window dressing at best. So oftentimes when we get to this type of passage, what I try to do as I preach them is to say, what's something I've not found yet? What's something I missed the last time I preached this? And I couldn't stop this week being struck by this simple question, is this symmetric? Now, here's the thing, this whole sermon, I'm going to preface it by saying some of you math folks are going to be like, you've done this all wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. Some of you who aren't math people are going to be like, I don't have any clue what you're talking about. This is an opportunity for robust debate and discussion after the sermon, and I invite that as we go along. But if you think about a symmetric statement, it's one where A equals B and B equals A. If you love yourself a lot, do you love your neighbor a lot? I would seem to follow love your neighbor as yourself if I love myself a lot, then I probably love my neighbor a lot. And the converse should be true. If I love my neighbor a lot, don't I love myself a lot? Does A equal B and does B equal A? I want to argue today that it should and it does. And again, this would be one thing that if y'all want to visit on a Wednesday evening over at the Posting House, we can talk about and discuss and you can tell me why I'm wrong. It's totally fine. But i think it asks a question of us about what is the fundamental relationship here between the self and the other what does it mean to be in relationship with someone not us and ourselves now yeah that is deeper right this whole series is about deeper yeah that's deeper but you know philosophers have been wrestling with that issue for a couple millennia and i'm not so confident myself to believe that it all get tied up in a 15 to 20 minute sermon if it does then then boy we've got something going for us because we've just solved a question that no one else has been able to so we can't answer that question in full but we might be wise to investigate our collective societal motives as a start So as far as I could research, you know, I saw that the self-care industry at large is a four and a half trillion dollar industry. Here in America, it's four and a half, 450 billion, but the giving industry, charity industry, is about a hundred billion dollars less than that. So in one way, where our money goes tells us a little bit about where, we're, where our hearts are. If loving neighbor and loving ourselves are supposed to be equal, then you'd think that we would give about the same amount to each. But it's scaled off by about $100 billion. And that would make us, I think, question the self greater than the other monetarily. So maybe financially we like to give more to ourselves than to others. That's fine. It's not the only thing that we do when we talk about care for the other. But I think there's also a question about the ends. Why do we do self-care? Why doesn't self-care always equate to loving ourselves more? Right? If if this was an industry that ultimately got us to feel self-love, wouldn't it run itself out after a while? Wouldn't your... Bucket be fully topped up on meditations and, and, and women's and men's journals and, and trips through uh, fields in the afternoon as the dew sets on the grass and you feel really good about yourself. Like Wouldn't it at some point be enough? But when you're talking an almost half-trillion-dollar industry in this country, well, we keep digging back to the well a little bit. So if these economic figures are true, in one way, it's a consumer-driven model. Go buy things to feel better. And in small doses, like I said, there's nothing wrong with that. My house is littered with all the good intentions of self-care that I've had, that I used for a little bit. You should see the stack of notebooks I have littered about my house with the best of intentions of journaling every single thing for about five hours each time. But you know, I try again. There are all sorts of little tech toys that I use because I felt like that was self-care. And they're in drawers, in closets. And again, we talk about this all the time. We can't buy our way to happiness. We can't buy our way to self-worth. We can't buy our way to loving God and loving neighbor. It makes it hard then to think that A equals B and B equals A. And moreover, if loving self and loving neighbor is more important than the burnt offerings and the sacrifices, says Jesus and the scribe in their conversation, then there has to be some reality that the economic values aren't the most valuable thing here. That our finances, our spending and self-care isn't the thing that is going to make us happy and isn't the thing that's going to help us love our neighbor more. And moreover, if it's just self-care to care for self, you know, at times we can create a vacuum of things and activities. I mean, imagine a schedule that's filled with, with this thing at 9 o'clock on one morning, and then you go and you spend time doing this thing and this thing, you've got to make sure you get to the gym, and you've got to make sure you do this. Eventually, it just feels like work, <laughs> Which feels strange about self-care, then, if you're having to work so hard to care for yourself, it feels like work. Well, that's literally the opposite of what you're trying to do. It just ends up feeling like every single other thing that's bogging us down that we are so desperate to try to escape. So at some, at some point, friends, self-care should have an end. should have a telos, a purpose, a reason for being that helps us avoid both consumerism and a vacuum. In other words, what does self-care look like with the intentions of the other in mind? I want to ask you a question right now. And a lot of you have heard this question from me already. What is the one thing that when you do it, it brings you the most joy and it helps you feel like you are doing what God created you to do? I want you to think about that for a second. What is the one thing, if you could do it all the time, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you would feel like you were doing what God created you to do? might want to write it down or think about it. One of my favorite quotes of all time is by the theologian Frederick Buechner, and he says, God calls us to where our deepest joys and the world's greatest needs meet. That at the intersection of who God calls us to be and the needs of the other lies God's commonwealth coming forth. You know, when I get asked this question in return, because people feel like, well, if you're going to ask me, what about you? My answer is almost always building computers from scratch. I love the work of picking out the right hardware pieces. I love all of the gadgets that you have to have. You don't want to, you know, have static discharge happen and ruin your pieces, so I like to have that little wrist thing, and it helps me make sure discharges don't go off, and I love to be able to just, it's like a great puzzle. And you know at the end of it, what you get, you get a functional computer most of the time. But that's okay, because the fun part after that is if it's not functional, then i got to figure it out and do it again. I would love if I had a chance every few months to teach a class on what does it mean to build a computer for yourself. How fun would that be? How fun would it be to get a group of people together and say, I'm going to tear down this computer and I'm going to build it again. Now, some of you might be like, no, that sounds awful. That is not the self-care I would engage in. That's okay. It's not the intersection where your deepest joy and the world's greatest need meets. But there might be some of you right now who are like, you know, those knowledge boxes have not been good to me I would love to score one of knowledge so that I could stick it to that knowledge box and build my own. Will you come and talk to me and we'll find a time to do it together? I would love that. So maybe you have something right now that you would say, you know, it's not computer building, but it is this thing. This is the thing I would love to do if I had the chance. Maybe it's baking. Plenty of folks who say I love to bake. I have folks Folks that have asked this question in the past, they say, I love helping people balance a budget. Well, gosh, that's a really important skill, right? And there are some people who really need and would feel better and would feel a little bit more cared for personally if they had a balanced budget. And I think over time we could start to see that perhaps doing self-care with another in mind might perhaps balance the scales of A equals B and B equals A. We love ourselves more because we're doing something we love. We love the other by offering our first fruits to someone else. We recognize the value in others that they too have something to offer, so we love them more and we are fulfilled when we learn something from someone else. And as both of these grow, as loving the self and loving the neighbor steadily start to increase, so does the love of God, which is the ultimate reason why we do any of this at all. And see, I'm convinced that if the church should do anything for its people, it should be doing that. It should be constantly asking the question of those who cross through this threshold, hey, what do you love to do so much that it makes you feel like you're doing what God made you to do? And would you be willing to teach that to somebody else? Could you imagine a church that says that it does that all the time? That volunteering for things is not a permanent soul-sucking activity that drains away life, leading to self-indulgent self-care. Although, let's be honest, if any of you have been a member of a session that was in the middle of a five-hour meeting, it does happen occasionally, Soul-sucking does happen in the church. But imagine if that was a rare occasion. That that hard, technical, having to dig in and do work was really only a part-time gig. Or what happens if there are those of you who are out there, myself included, that actually really enjoy the work of leading and administration of the church? And so, yeah, sometimes five hours is a little long, but I can do two and a half. Because I'm helping to set a vision for a church of what it could be. What if instead of giving you this time and talent list of all the million things that you could do in this church, what happens if it was just that singular question? What do you want to do in the church that when you did it, it would make you feel like you were doing what God created you to do? And that was it. Could you imagine the programs for people that are doing it because they feel like it's how God made them? There would be some of the best computers built in San Marco, I'll tell you that right now. Maybe some of you love woodworking, maybe some of you are just really good at making fall decorations. What happens if we just spend all of our time doing those things? Maybe some of you just really love to hand out blankets for those who are cold. Instead of being a place where volunteering feels like a soul sucking, dismal activity, it becomes a place where we become all that God has called us to be, each and every one. And as we think about becoming a theological civic center, which is something we've talked about, this whole building and opening ourselves wide, that concept of love of self with the eye towards the neighbor and God goes beyond our walls. It's not just ours to share, Hey, person who lives on Paul Street, what, what do you want to do that makes you feel like you're who you're supposed to be? Hey, person on River Road or a person on Birmingham Road, what do you do make you feel like you're doing what, exactly what God has called you to do? It seems we do talk about at Stewardship Season all about time and talent and treasure. We always look at the first one and we always look at the last one. We never look at the one in the middle. So today, dear friends, as we talk about going deeper in ourselves, I want to give you these words, which may be in this whole stewardship season the most important thing that you hear. I want each of you to know that you are beloved children of God that in you are gifts and talents that no one else possesses, and that there are people in this room or in this community that desperately need what you offer. Even if you find it insignificant, I promise you that there is somebody here who does not, that it is the thing that they needed to help them feel whole and that in that way, you have a chance to love yourself and love your neighbor as we love God together. Friends, no budget, no line item, no anything in the church can, can go forward without knowing that simple message. That you are good people. And you have so much to offer. And so, dear friends, as we think about going deeper, let us give of ourselves, but not in a difficult way, but in a joyful way. A way that cares for ourselves and cares for the other. Amen.